So we're discussing the interview that took place. It is Jared Kiso and Nathan Dales after the conclusion of the first season. I'm trying to remember the name of the podcast. Let me pull it up. I thought it was Mike On Much. I believe that's correct, yeah. yeah. Either way, I will have a link to that interview in the show notes. I That's another big thing I want to do with this episode is just kind of compile all the interviews that I've referenced on these other episodes that I've been kind of sprinkling this information in with. Do you have those bookmarked somewhere? Yeah, well, no, but I remember exactly how I found them because they're just, there isn't a whole lot of interviews out there to sift through. So it isn't too difficult. You know what I would think at the end, almost like a, what am I thinking, bibliography? What the fuck is that? Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. The references. Yeah, bibliography. Yeah, yeah, you just are basically saying, hey, this is where all of them came from. Right. This is where they are. So that, yeah, as we go. This one especially, though, I thought was very interesting because, like we just mentioned, it takes place at the conclusion of season one. So you kind of get that feeling of where their headspace was at after this first season Concluded because we have the benefit of, in hindsight, looking you know, we're 10 seasons in mm-hmm. two spin offs, knowing know? that it's extremely successful, right? Mm-hmm. And we already know that that's its fate, but you know, we didn't necessarily know that at the time. What did you guys think about that aspect of the interview? It's the first thing that struck me immediately. It's was the that, yeah, uh, biggest thing that they struck seemed me unsure, and I was like, What are you in? Sh- oh, it's this old, and that's what I was like, Ah, okay, and I kept having to almost remind myself as I was listening to it, that that was the case, that uh, they really didn't know if they were going to be popular yet or how popular they were going to be or, like, just how big their reach might actually end up being. And we don't even know the end of that yet. Their right. reach is still growing as far as I'm concerned. Um, and hopefully they continue to. But, yeah, definitely that's the first thing that struck my chord. They seem to be very happy to have even had the opportunity to do the one season. Yes. <clears throat> I was to get to do it, well. uh, how they got like to make the show, how they wanted to make it, uh, with the people that they wanted to make it, uh, in the places that they wanted to make it, everything was theirs, and they were so happy that they got to do it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're still, uh, when they talk about that, being working actors and being on other shows, mm-hmm. uh, and that's interesting. Cause it's complicated. I don't, have you guys, I don't know if you guys have seen the other shows that they've been on. Or seen any of the other, like, real act, especially, like, his real other acting work, because he's been in several things. Yeah, Derek Giso, yeah, he's been in the Don Cherry movies, I think we mentioned. I don't know what that is. The uh, Hockey Coach. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two movies that he played in. The, what is... But he's been in some big fucking movies. Like, he was in the Godzilla, like, the remake, the first Mm -hmm. Godzilla one. Uh, and then that 19-2 is... Yeah, is uh, it 19-2? I think so. Right. Is there I haven't seen any one. of that. But I think I've seen an episode of it, but it was like uh, in the middle. like So it wasn't mm-hmm. like the first episode of the series. Yeah. Something on YouTube where I just caught like one whole episode. Sure. Uh, but it's him and fucking... Uh, uh, who's the black dude in season two that he fucking punches the cousin. Oh my god, I love him. Yeah, cousin uh, Bradley. Yes! Him, him and Bradley are fucking partners. Uh, fucking McMurray is in it. Um, It's fucking hilarious. And that's another thing I was struck by, the conversation of kind of creating uh, this, or helping make the Canadian cinema more robust. Yes. uh, Their cinema and TV market. Um, Kiso was very clear that he's not interested in the Hollywood kind of Mm -hmm. lifestyle. He wants to create Canadian... um, it's a testament to that the fact that you can do that. 
create show. Uh, Canadian cinema, mm-hmm. a whole um, create a, a whole Canadian cinematic scene, mm-hmm. uh, right. just like Bollywood movies or Bollywood like Canadian movies. Yeah, he wants to create something sensibility, like I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like British movies are British, like PBS thing, but it's from Canada. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of other Canadian, like, Canadian pieces of film, uh, and that made me think of other Canadian actors too, and like who's come through there. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that Kids in the Hall? Are they all Canadian? Oh yeah, yes. I was on Kids in the Hall with Shock so. in Canada. One, it's uh, Toronto has a, I believe it's Toronto film festival. Yeah, one also a huge a very, like uh, they like that's kind of the basis for most of the shoots in yeah. Canada. <clears throat> Uh, and a lot of Canadian shots that American uh, production companies use, it's usually in Vancouver. It's a very good stand-in for Chicago, New York, that kind of sure. thing. Sure, yeah. big so city. Can, yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So they can use it and redress it however they want to. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, and of course, it's Vancouver. if you're going to... Well, there's only how many big places in Canada to begin with, right? Well, it's like, for like Vancouver or Toronto. Yeah, basically. Like, that's, you know, you know like, that's kind of your options. Yeah. Um, and not to break it down to that. I'm sure there are other big cities there that I'm not labeling, but for what it's worth, like if you were looking at America like that, you'd be like New York and LA. Exactly. Right? Like that's just kind of how New York, LA, Chicago. And that tends to be where a lot of the yeah. conglomerate, the, the whole acting communities, either Broadway or film tend to right. kind of go to. You don't really find a whole lot of like uh, Midwestern based sensibilities. This to me is a testament to that, that it's possible. Not necessarily that it's because you're working with limited numbers. You're just working against the grain, and that could be hard. But if you if that's what you wanted, then it could be amazing. It's like if there was a thriving film epicenter in the middle of Kansas. Yeah, exactly. Be like that's fucking crazy. Topeka, even. Yeah. Like not just like KC. Yeah. Like somewhere yes. weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, uh, like not yeah. Right. Or those smaller <laughs> cities. Yes. But still a good enough size city to. Support this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but have like if some if someone was a big enough actor who was from Kansas and came back there and wanted to start making movies in Kansas, like they could do it. Uh, it would just take a lot. This is a testament to that to me. Yeah, they but, can. Uh, right, but it's it's like bigger than even like it does play New York in so many popular movies through. Uh, like production history, Vancouver does. So it's, oh, it's sure. more than even just like a, uh, a boy makes big on a hometown, on a small-ish Canadian town. It's you know like a, a bustling, as far as a movie and film production. What do you mean? Vancouver is uh, oh yeah yeah very much uh, filmed and as a stand-in for like we said New sure. York. Uh, it's big enough to yeah. house its own thing, and like which is being... why all these dudes have been on all the shows because uh, fucking Supernatural shoots up there, right? Exactly. Uh, all those other like WB shows shoot up yeah, there. Yeah, shit ton of shows. Yeah, like the Hallmark movies. movies all shoot up there. Uh, fucking Dirks is in like a whole bunch. This is later seasons, but like mm-hmm. those dudes. Uh, I think Miss uh, Katie Cat's in several Hallmark movies. Like a bunch of that shit shoots up there. Mm-hmm. But well, where it, do they shoot? Them mm-hmm. and Letterkenny in mm-hmm. fucking and outside yeah, of Toronto. Yeah, that's what I thought, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Outside of Toronto. Yeah. Because Toronto's the one. Toronto's the one by Detroit, and they're just yeah, a little right. bit north of that. 
Uh, Vancouver's the one just on the to west, the west coast. coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah over to the west. Uh, and then Montreal can uh, Quebec can stick in. Yeah, That's can up, uh, isn't it? I think it's east and yeah, north of, uh, exactly. uh, of yeah. Toronto, yeah. but it's uh, old enough that it can stick in for like European stuff. Ontario. Yeah. I believe so. Ontario is a province. Yeah, right? Toronto, Toronto, Ontario. City. Yeah. Okay, okay. Ottawa is the big city. Is the capital of Ontario. Yes. It's also the capital of, of Canada. Canada. Right. Is it? Yes. Yeah. It isn't the biggest metropolis. That's Toronto. That's Toronto. But Toronto's yeah, big. Ottawa's the capital. Yes. Because um, Toronto's further south. Ottawa's like more up in like the province. So just so that I understand, also kind of like, because I think I get what what you're saying. I just want to make sure that like I'm on the same page here. Like. uh to me, I do still think it kind of has that feeling to me of, of being outside of that conglomerate. Yes, uh, but it. I, I just wanted to make the distinction that it isn't quite like making Kansas City suddenly a film town or making uh, bringing those kind of sure, things. Sure, the infrastructure is there. The, the sure. infrastructure yeah, yeah. is there. It is... Not uh, like it's, I have uh, been made familiar with the phrase uh, Vancouver playing Vancouver. Sure. Because Canadians are used to spotting Vancouver things in something that's supposed sure. to be New York. So they make note of when Vancouver actually plays Vancouver. Sure. Um, so it just kind of speaks to, yes, like you said, this is still delivering. It's in that Canadian mold, this, this different kind of speaking to a different sensibility than Hollywood. Or any of these totally. production In companies that, not trying that to just York. use Vancouver. Yeah, they're yeah, not exactly. trying to be they're a not, They're being more proud about who they are. They're Canadian. Um, right. And that it's the territory. That comes with the territory. Quite literally, it comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, that's the thing that at least, yeah, kind of fits with my feeling of having listened mm-hmm. to them talk about that. And that it does still feel like, not that... Totally, I get you. Not that they don't have the, the opportunities there. Not that there weren't the, at arm's length, at least, really good groups of people to reach out to who you right. could make some excellent things with, but who were kind of being contracted to do things, let's say, in this area, in the greater Toronto area, uh, or for Hollywood, or for mm-hmm. someone else, or for whatever. But uh, in kind of making something a bit more quintessentially rural. Um, with that focus instead of using mm-hmm. Toronto as the big city. Toronto's just the place where you guys all drive from. To Hilariously, the Godzilla movie that uh, Kiso is in, uh, fucking filmed in Vancouver. Hey! In Vancouver. As a stand-in for Seattle. And yeah. Seattle <laughs> or, uh, a lot of San Francisco, cities. rather. Yeah, 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 yeah. So why is it that they're going there for that? Instead it's cheaper. Of, yeah, it's cheaper. In, uh, like, taxes? Or yeah, probably. Just, I wonder what it is. In several ways, yeah. I'm sure. They probably, then filming uh, in New York or Seattle. I know. Yeah. Georgia made that huge Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, Georgia is one Think of about the opposite that. of the Simpsons episode. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. You're making giant agreements Tax to say, hey, to, right, yeah. to essentially draw them towards your cities. Yeah. It's interesting to me, though, that, like, they would do that, I guess. But it makes sense <laughs> in the way that it's it's big enough that you can play something that you're not, but small enough that you could actually still stop traffic. Mm-hmm. Like, right. There's no way you're doing that in New York. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's no chance. You can't well, they're permit out the asshole. Right. You're gonna. Oh, you're maybe you could, but you're going to be paying millions and millions and millions of dollars to get that. Making job. a movie in America is exactly like in The Simpsons. 
Whereas, and you're going to get raked over the yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's the puffy pants tax. Oh, yeah. We're not wearing mm-hmm. puffy pants tax. I mean, the uh, not the wearing not puffy wearing pants, pants. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, it's the uh, leaving town tax. Like, oh, you're <laughs> taken. <laughs> it's funny, though, that I think, like, that's something that I think of as so quintessentially American. Like, Hollywood. Like, uh, film, TV, mm-hmm. media production. It's like, that's... That's America. Like that's I don't even like to say import, it. Or like, export, right? Yeah, right. That's what we do. Entertainment. Yeah, right. It's, um, uh, mm-hmm. it's but the then good if you that we look produce. at our. Uh, uh, Apparently, uh, we're not that interested. Uh, offshoring of how we do things. Yeah. It fits in perfectly. Doesn't it though? Like, exactly. Well, somebody how, can make it yeah, cheaper. Well, right. then I guess China will yeah, do it. But uh-huh. well, they can't do that. So oh, we got to get. Yeah. Shoot Vancouver. Let me get. Vancouver sounds great. Not quite Mexico. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also was very struck by their discussions of Crave Bell Media. Right. I think uh, you guys probably to, yeah, yeah. picked up on that. There's For a sure. distinction that's like the parent company. They have had their own streaming thing launching at the same time I'm as Letter King problems blowing up. Right. Through the UFC. Because they do all the Canadian broadcasts to the uh, UFC. Really? Uh, okay. Or like the and if I remember correctly, one of them is called the Bell Center. Uh, and that's a place in Canada. That uh, makes sense. And uh, they, but it's always in the upper right hand corner whenever I'm uh, illegally streaming. No, that's not what I was gonna say, oh, Phil. No. I was gonna say reviewing some of the previous copies some, that I have of my legitimately owned after films. Right. The paper. I already news. own them, so it's fine right. for me to do this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, exactly. That's how I know that uh, they run that and I was like oh that's what they're saying with the thing with the uh, like the TiVo and the fucking uh, okay okay but I think it's interesting it probably speaks to how Letterkenny is uh, clearly crafted for uh, new media media Mm -hmm. in the 21st century because it's the bro- I'm sure darling for Crave oh Oh, somehow with like balls of a new media company right Mm -hmm. Yeah, this to be great. able to say, no, no, this is going to be one of our, our flagship shows is this uh, this it's thing with the ostrich thing. fucking. I yeah, love right. them uh, the talking one. about the executive. Yeah. Okay, and is this gonna every episode? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not every episode. Right. I definitely recommend listening to that interview because it was so enlightening to hear how going from that Letterkenny problems, just them bullshitting on YouTube, how working on a passion project can suddenly lead to opportunity. Mm -hmm. Them just wanting to put out what they thought the world needed, you know, or just what they would enjoy. You know what I mean? What's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And being instantly recognized, it's just, uh, it's a very heartening, it's very earnest story of uh, someone putting their fucking work out there and people going, yeah, I like it. Give us more. So was that just like your favorite part of the interview then? Yeah. Um, I Well, just the second thing that really struck me more than anything is that it, it suddenly I was looking at this through the prism of in a world of streaming services, this is a, a streaming original darling when you look at it that way. For sure. Beyond even being a distinctly Canadian show. I think of this as a distinctly streaming show. Interesting. Only seen it on Hulu. Interesting. Right? It, okay. it has been broadcast in Canada on Bell Networks. Right. But it is a well, streaming show. On... <clears throat> Actual TV then? The, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it has been broadcast like on their actual, cable, like, but they oh, have Cox. yeah in their cable uh-huh. package essentially. Uh-huh. Okay, it's like, t- it like a channel. It was after being a Crave original. It is kind of a unique position to be in when you're when you are let's say someone like Crave, where you're where you're thinking, okay, am I going to beat Netflix? Not necessarily. Like that's not going to be what you do. You're not going to come in and just get all of the media. You're not going to win that game. So what game do you win? Well, you got to do something that's unique enough to pull those viewers away from Netflix mm-hmm. long enough to get their attention. And what kind of media is that? Well, you, they know that YouTube works. They know that these things are really in like uh, they're engaging with a lot of their uh, platform and, and their, their target people. audience. Mm-hmm. They know that that works. Well, how do you turn that into something and get make that a show? That's hard as shit. Mm-hmm. Turning something that is YouTube-ish into a show can be very difficult. And they had something that worked out really well for them. They followed that. And it is impressive that Crave leaned into that as hard as they did. Because I think without having something that's kind of like an offshoot, it may have been lost in the annals of Netflix. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's probably going to happen to a large number of good shows. Uh, You just can't. There's too much shit on Netflix to even know what's all on Netflix. Right. I don't even know what's on Crave, but I know this is on Crave. Period. Like, it's their it's their flagship. And they can push that bitch out and be like, that's us, that's what we do. And that's a, a really interesting business position to be in when you can't really win the other game. And You're not going to beat them there. Talk about a partnership that would just work mm-hmm. perfectly is you have this creator who's talking about, I want to make Canadian uh, uh, TV and film much more robust and make this something that people can make living uh, living off of. And you're like uh, streaming, uh, create, you need to create original content. You're like, fuck yeah, if buddy. If this works, this talk, could buddy. be everything. Yeah, yeah, right. That's your cash cow. Mm-hmm. If you... If you believe in it as the kind of person who's pitching, who's not, who's, what am I trying to say? Who's being pitched? If you're the one who's providing the money, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, if you're funding it, yeah, producing it. If you're doing that, if you're crave in this position, yeah, you've got a really nice look on what this could possibly be. I don't think they could have ever thought it was going to be quite as good as it ended up being. Like this is, the show's really goddamn good, really, really good. Like get the subscription just to watch the show good like that's the kind of feeling i get from this um like you know when game of thrones was out like fuck i need to get the hbo just to see the neck i have to um that's how people felt uh i can feel that way about this um in a way that for a place like crave is man that's gotta sound fucking fantastic and then to also have them all just be like, and yes, we'd like to continue to do this with this group of people, build this into something larger that you'll instantaneously be connected to mm-hmm. on the cheap, on a cheaper level than what you'd normally be seeing. That's another part of the streaming media thing. Like, and also I think this show in general, how much did that cost? Like, it's not a lot. You know what I mean? Like in the grand scheme of well, however sitcoms. Like- like they make it look good too. Oh yeah, it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And something that I didn't ever realize, and like once he says, like, oh, that makes so much sense. Uh, when he was talking about watching Snatch and fucking Rushmore, 
Mm-hmm. It's like they they tell so much story with uh, like non-verbal musical numbers. Yeah, you just pick and it it's up. like, oh, that's fucking ninety percent of the show. It's genius, like, really. Right? Then you don't yeah. have to do a lot. And that's, it's like that's so great. Like I never ever put that together, but it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And just their like the use of. Uh, Dialogue in the both of those movies is pretty like forefront to mm-hmm. themselves. So much cheaper to write mm-hmm. good dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like that is that you can't. <laughs> skyscraper skyscraper shots are always going to cost money. The Mission Impossible explosions are always going to cost thousands of dollars. And if you've written them into your show and that's what you need, then that's what you need. But like tight dialogue's free, motherfucker. <laughs> like it really is, it, and you mm-hmm. can do that. And again, for me, the show is a testament to that kind of attitude. That like you really don't need as much as maybe you think you do. Like I think a lot of people think they need to go to Hollywood and they need to go to blank to make it successful, and you just don't. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily. Uh, it's not without some luck. It's not without some backing. It's not without some other things behind you for sure. But like. Maybe you don't need to go that route. Maybe you can make a different way. Maybe you can make a show that you love without having to sacrifice all of that things that you all of the things that you like. Um, it's a good. It's a good. It is a heartwarming story. It really is, and that they can get that done. I'm glad. Well, you can tell did. they're really like good friends too. The bit when they start talking about hockey shit and they just start nerding out That's about funny. hockey about yeah was Calgary. So that was funny. Fucking funny. Yep. Like, they start naming off people and I can't even like remember their right, yeah, right, 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 because they're they're but fucking. Uh, yeah, it's like players. oh, I've heard this conversation before. And yeah, I know the Huskers. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. Uh-huh. We're nerds. It's mm-hmm. just what we do. It's just my culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost picked up some NHL just to like ingratiate myself. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Who are these people? Right, but no, it, it uh, had similar flair or flavors to the uh, hockey interview. That that one for sure was a radio show. Mm-hmm. That if I yes. can find that, I'll put links in the show notes too. Uh, because man, that uh, it is great to just hear because it's so different. Uh, I'm not used to hockey lingo or anything like sure. that. But yet still be so recognizable. Like we said, we have the same references. For us, it's football, you know, in different parts of the U.S. It would be different sports or whatever. It is uh, a lot of fun to just kind of see that dynamic play out in a completely different way that's completely the same way. You know, it's, it's just... Your words are foreign, but I yeah, know right. the way but you're saying exactly. That's the sound but I, I make when I say mm-hmm. Right, I can tell through context mm-hmm. what's going on here. Decade before you got that cup, huh? <laughs> uh, I know that. <laughs> right. I don't know what the cup is, but it sounds like you need it. Mm-hmm. I want one too. <laughs> that was my overall feeling about it. Like, um, well, how hopeful they seem for the future of it, and just how grateful they are for what they've gotten to do. Yeah. And I don't really doesn't seem like they, they, seem they have a per- yeah. yeah, but it doesn't seem like they have a particular like direction for the show to go though right like an end goal yeah. or like yes yeah, this isn't like how i met your mother yeah exactly or you got like you got to know how this thing ends man or maybe they didn't <laughs> but like uh yeah no i would i would agree with that too it, it felt very like um boy I, this is incredible that we made this thing like uh 
and like look at what we did almost kind of like uh and everybody else is kind of like look what you did dude yeah, like right we like that, that like, pretty cool yeah, look what you did and it the, felt very uplifting in that way right and again um with the benefit of hindsight knowing all these other actors that are going to come in through these uh, uh right pro, proceeding yeah proceeding seasons it's just interesting to think about how wouldn't it be proceeding is mm-hmm. it yeah because preceding would be before yeah yeah, but is it is it pro is that the opposite of preceding? Yeah. Proceeding is proceeding the opposite of preceding? Isn't it? I don't know. Preceding, and proceeding. Yes. Is it? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. You have a phone. Look at that bitch. That's true. We have we have the whole of the internet. Google it. But yeah, with, uh, with the benefit yeah, of hindsight of the proceeding seasons, knowing like all these other actors that they're going to bring in, I know by season three we have more writers like i'm sure there's a writer's room through mm-hmm. this first season but the credited writers are kiso and tierney mm-hmm. but it even like credited writers will expand as we get into more and more seasons so you can just kind of see this i guess vision for uh canadian tv and film growing coming to fruition through letter kenny it's really fucking cool mm-hmm. it is it was a fun interview to listen to so i highly recommend mm-hmm. it it really was uh, I don't know how I was gonna say this earlier. I don't know how much like, like deep in depth information I pulled away from that as right. much as the feeling I pulled away mm-hmm. from that. Like I wasn't like, ooh, that's a really good note. I need to write it down. Right. Or just like, man, that feels good. Like, uh, and it was interesting to listen to in the retrospective kind of way, mm-hmm. where I was like, ah, oh, look at you guys. You're so close. And like, good job. Like, you don't know it yet, but you're right. gonna do it. You did it. And this, that's actually a good point, kind of a good segue into another segment. I uh, might throw a little music here or mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. There is very little information out there about, like, the making of Letterkenny. Like, the basic story you can find that Letterkenny Problems first started as, just as we heard in that interview... A Twitter account, then a YouTube channel, and then Grave came at them and said, hey, do you want to make it into a full TV show? Hooked him up with Jacob Tierney to be the showrunner. Tierney runs the production side. They both uh, work together on, like, collaborate on yeah, that writing and creative okay. shit. Um, but there isn't necessarily a whole lot of behind-the-scenes kind of info. I tried... Here's I'm going to give a big shout-out to the... Uh, uh, How Are You Now and The Produce Stand are two Letterkenny podcasts that, now that we've recorded the first season, I went back and listened to, like, all their episodes. I'm like, oh, fuck, these guys are, A, really fucking good and doing all this better than us. (laughs) Oh, they're really good, dude. But also, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, like, because I went through the later episodes to find, like, interviews with cast and crew, really going to be our treasure trove of information to kind of provide. So we're... That one was a different feeling. We're just going to be aping a whole lot of their shit, both of them, I feel like. But it's, you know, what else are you going to do? Well, that's all you can do. I did even listen to, though, the Produce Stand Season 1 wrap-up. He went and reached out to the How Are You Now was older. It was, like, started when it was still only in Canada and Hulu didn't sign the deal yet for it. Uh, So there's very much friendly relationships between... Letterkenny fandom is a small world still. So it's not like people are out here butting heads or whatever. Yeah, I'd imagine that, you know, hopefully 
but again, you know, even if we end up retrotting some of the same things, hopefully we're adding new shit to the conversation. Well, in that way, I think also it's all about perspective. You know, like right. it doesn't matter what. Not that it doesn't matter, but all that information, all the truths are out there. Like mm-hmm. they're just reporting. <clears throat> One of the episodes I listened to of the produce stand, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes because it was so influential on this part of the discussion that will go down. Was with Billy Buttery. Yeah. Is the ACAM operator through most of the seasons. He just got a promotion to be director of photography of the show. He they had an interview with him. I think it was around season nine of Letterkenny in there. Top ten in, name of all time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Billy uh, Buttery. Just so amazing. Especially it, for a camera operator. Just amazing. Come on. Smooth as. Yeah, come on. It's a buttery baby. (laughs) But they had a really great interview with him that, to me, is like the last part of the Rosetta Stone. Did you listen to that as well? I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I did listen to part of that. 20 minutes of it. Here are the really big takeaways that I think kind of touch on some of the things we talked about earlier this season and will most definitely be influencing my watches through the rest of this show. One of them was a comment on just their use of balancing through a shot. Uh, symmetry is what he said. He wants very symmetrical shots. Uh, Tierney is always looking for how to balance things out, apparently. That blew my fucking mind. And it's such a simple fucking thing. Like, it, we didn't explicitly ever say that, I don't think, in any of these previous episodes. No. But we found... 87 other ways to say describe that, like that. To, mm-hmm. to describe like how things right. were kind of feeling like balanced mm-hmm. and set. Mm-hmm. The second kind of revelation to me was when he was talking about those shots around the produce stand. Mm, the orbit. The, <laughs> yes, they are orbiting the produce stand. Mm-hmm. It That feeling of them orbiting like Having around. Having a central focal point. Because the produce stand is the center of their mm-hmm. fucking world. Mm-hmm. Blew my now mind. Now you have a section from out here and a section from over here. Right, and, and suddenly that using that um, as a, a way of framing. Now, anytime I look for that rotating, what are they? What are they orbiting around? Like mm-hmm. I can, again, things that I felt feel like we were touching on mm-hmm. without like fully press. Like it, it crystallized in my mind what it was I was seeing. It's different when you hear the person who's doing it describe it. Mm-hmm. When right. they say, this it's is like, what I'm after. It's like, that is what you're yes. after, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I felt that too, but I, I didn't know what to say about words. it. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're almost like, that's why you're a creator and I'm the dude yeah, who's watching right? at home. Well, I mean, Consumer. anybody could anybody could do that. Obviously, he's quite skilled at what he does. So don't let me, don't let me say it like, anybody could do this. But like, uh, Everybody's going to have their own way of uh, kind of showing their personality on film or whatever and, like, showing doing their own thing. And they've got their own plan in their head about why they're doing what they're doing. And they could tell you. But as a viewer, you don't get that running narrative. You never really get to hear unless you go and delve deep into it later uh, and you find Billy Buttery and, like, listen to the interviews. But you don't really get that. So it is just like this guessing game of like, am I seeing this correctly? Mm-hmm. Is that what they're going for? Or am I just interpreting this? And when you hear them say it and like uh, validate your thoughts, it's like, yes, yes, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not crazy. That is what you were thinking. Right. Um, yeah, super fascinating with the orbits thing for sure. Um, and I think that they do tend to use 
framing really well. Uh, mm-hmm. s- steady shots, like um, where you're not moving the camera, where it's not being moved along in a pathway along with people, following them, something, mm-hmm. recreating movement. They almost require a certain sort of symmetry or purposeful asymmetry. It needs to be like, what's the name of the uh, fucking The Last Supper, right? Mm-hmm. Like where you're looking at this kind of laid upon landscape that you're seeing now and that is like the that's like the stage that they're acting on if you will you know exactly um and it's it's different when you're following closely and you're moving right along with someone that is going to give you that feeling of action and movement too um but when you're just static and still so much of what you're doing is framework like a photo framework like a painting like in setting that kind of symmetry or purposeful purposeful asymmetry to throw you kind of off kilter on purpose. Um, they do to a make really you focus job. on certain things. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. The weighting of each side of the screen. Um, I can't remember who was telling me this or who did this exactly. But uh, I wish it was because that would be fucking awesome. But no, they were talking about how they divide the screen into three pieces. The left, the middle, mm-hmm. and the right. And that if they're whenever they're balancing things and whenever they're setting things up, that's how they focus them. So, like, if an easy one to think about is when they're walking up the the aisles of the church. On each side of them, they're reflected by the exact same setting. It's chairs over here in the same positions as chairs over there Mm -hmm. with your main entrance walking right through. So your eye is naturally drawn to the only thing that is moving, and it's the people coming up right through the middle who are all right there. Um, And, like, being able to do that kind of framing, setting that up is an art form it's a really mm-hmm. difficult thing to get right because it seems like it should be easy yeah fucking put them in the middle right it looks like shit like have you ever seen somebody's uh like high school fucking camera work they always put people right in the middle of their picture it looks awful mm-hmm. and because they're, they're moving all over the place and shit and it's just terrible um but that framing like we see in like movies of two people sitting across from each other eating dinner. And there's one here on this left side and one here on the right side and an absence essentially in the middle. Like that's a very natural thing to see. Or having kind of like you were talking about the orbital thing, um, having certain people maintain certain places in that section. So like even when your angle is changed, Bill always sits on the left of the screen. And he's always towards the left of the screen, even when your angle is, is different. Um, and that is a, is a subconscious reminder that this is Bill. Mm-hmm. Bill is always on the left. You don't even think about it anymore. It just becomes like this natural pacing of film. Um, they do a really good job of that in this show because they focus so much on those still shots. They have to set those up well because that's all you get. You You're, you're not being treated to a visual delight let's well, say well i mean you are uh, right right in um, subtlety is the the name of the game but here. i mean they there are all sorts of shots that are filled with action in the show they're fight scenes galore and that's going to be shot in a very different way than... i still feel like even those are subtle in comparison to fight scenes that i would say are more hollywood-esque um hmm. oh i'd agree with that that they're just general tone to me is more uh understated let's say uh for the better in my opinion like if you made a show like this and you threw too much shit over the top of like um 
I don't know, like you can't have explosions and shit in this. It just wouldn't make sense. Mm. You know, you wouldn't want to throw the whole CGI budget into this. What for? That ruins the point of this rural setting. Um, so it makes sense that they focus on things in those ways and that they tend to slow things down in that way. Uh, where in a lot of other media, you don't get that. You do kind of have this sense of motion and this sense of like being pulled by the camera. You're, you're, you are another person. They're, they kind of intend to make you the camera. Um, and I don't really feel like that's what they do here. I'm not really the camera so much as I am just like watching them set the scene. Um, which is cool. It's a different way to enjoy that kind of cinematography, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the balance thing. Uh, like, do you have examples in Letterkenny of that happening where, like, Wayne sure. is always on the left? Uh, ooh, about Wayne always being on the left? Not no, no, just any, um, like, any, I'm throwing out something. Uh, I guess I would, I would say one of those examples is kind of the idea of having an orbit, right? Of having a, a central point. Um, like, that's not something that's self-evident, right? You don't start off with the idea, no book tells you you should go and do right. that. But, I mean, um, uh, you were talking about, like, um, using the left side or right side of the frame. I was like, thinking more I'm like thinking... Kubrick in that way, because that's what I'm... Yeah. That's that's what my mind is, is drawing mm-hmm. the uh, I'm trying to remember to. scenes. Like, is there any way we can cue up, possibly, a scene in the barn where Wayne's I'm up sure. top and Dan exactly. is on the yes. sides? And He's always when... at the head of things. Yes. Right. Even but if, it's, yes, when we pan over to Dan, is he in the middle of the shot when we go over to just the Dan? Or is he on the right-hand side? Is he on the right-hand side? He's on the right-hand side of the barn in the big barn, right? Well, no, on the big barn, he's on the left-hand side. Derry's on the right. In the one I'm yeah, talking okay, about, okay, where okay. they're all doing post-game of the fights. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, going cool. Through either all way, of Wayne's either way. Fights is what I'm thinking about. I would wonder, we should look that up and see if it does follow mm-hmm. that pattern. Um, because I would be surprised if it didn't follow some sort of pattern that we could recognize. doesn't necessarily need to be that one. That's more like a personality thing. But in trying to determine where they're making the balance... Mm-hmm. Or what it is that they are, what what are they using as their hook? Like Kubrick used the middle shot as his hook. You'll like a bunch of his shit is like that. Like uh, the fucking blood rushing out through the fucking uh, elevator. It's all right through the middle. Comes right out through the middle. Mm-hmm. The fucking uh, shit in 2001: A Space Odyssey where it's just kind of a zoom out right. towards the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, he. There are certain things that certain directors of photography or cinematographers tend to use as their personal style. Um, and symmetry, in general, is always going to be a big focus. I don't want to use the term symmetry because that's like that's not always the focus. But framing. Intentional and purposeful right. framing. Having an that's intent behind it. That's what cinematography behind, is. Yes. Having an intent behind it in order to convey some sort of message mm-hmm. and having that be discernible from someone else's. Otherwise, there would be no reason to pick a specific cinematographer um, if there were no, like, difference in how they find that balance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know exactly what his is other than what he's told me um, and what exactly it'll follow. But it would be interesting to see if they do follow that kind of pattern. I would bet they probably do in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, upon listening to that interview, one of the scenes that stuck out to me was the fight scene at the end of the season. Very well balanced in its first hockey players and skids are literally left and right. Yep. 
And then it becomes like this triumvirate, this three-pointed thing when uh, Tana shows up with the natives. And all of it is blocked in with the, the wall of the convenience store behind everything when the Hicks show up with uh, Ginger and Boots. Mm-hmm. They're suddenly blocking them in. Like, the way all of this is like balanced and framed mm-hmm. through, like, you feel as boxed in as, as Tannis would mm-hmm. in that situation. Like, it, it suddenly, that was a light bulb moment mm-hmm. for me, just to, to give an example. But I, mm-hmm. I think as we go forward, I'm definitely going to be paying so much yeah. more attention to how these things are balanced. How I'll have to call them out as I see them more frequently. Right. Because I think we have, actually. I'm sure we have in other... Mm-hmm. Well, have you listened to any episodes. of the episodes? Yes. Yeah. Of, of ours? Our podcast? Yes. yes. Really? Yes. Okay, well, you hadn't before, motherfucker, so I'm going to give you shit before. Well, no, you hadn't. Yeah, we went over this. When? And it was a while ago. No, you haven't. Yeah, we did. We went over... It's on tape. <laughs> it's on tape. Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't well, think whatever. that happened. Uh... No, but I know that we have because I think the barn shots have been some. I know that we've talked about. But I don't know if we were chairs. talking about uh, where they were framed within the shot, right? Like motion, more than how movement. they were balancing between these. And shots. that's something to pay attention to but as well, still. right? Like, like what I'm thinking when I'm thinking about it, it's it's like a, a combination of both. The um, that even in between shots, even as we go from different shot to shot. Sometimes these characters maintain the same position in space, in the in the TV space, uh, in that if you're dividing it up into thirds, they'll always remain on this side or that side or wherever. Or some people, if you wanted to divide it that way or however, mm-hmm. fourths or whatever, it doesn't matter. Everybody's going to have their own take on that. But usually they'll, you'll see some sort of rhyme or reason to where they set them, and it's likely just comfort. Like, half of that is is just repeating the pattern mm. and making you feel comfortable and not having to keep up. Like, right. Because it's jarring when you see people move position in yeah, space. Yeah, I don't know who they are anymore. You They're would think that you would. You're on the left side of the screen instead of the right side of the screen. I don't know we, who you are. We are so dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people especially have the, uh, like, quick conversations... If you're not explicitly being shown who's being who's talking in a group of let's say six people, that they think about a movie where that happens, mm. where you would hear a group of people talking and you wouldn't get a like a frame shot of the person who's talking exactly as they're speaking. Why do they do that? You know, it's because if we leave that ambiguous, we're really dumb, and people will not get it. Uh, and it, it seems like you should, because like, haven't you heard the voice before? A lot of the times it? too, it's for editing purposes. Yeah. Because mm. <laughs> they fucked up and I put the edit, put the audio in somewhere. I mean, sometimes that is the case. <clears throat> you know, you gotta flub that shit and fucking that guy's gotta have his head turned for this mm-hmm. one because we didn't get a good take. But uh, ideally, I think you would see, and you do see that that people. I wish we were brighter about that. And maybe that isn't even I wish we were. I don't know. But, like, uh, yeah, they fucking continuously put people in the same positions to kind of reinforce the idea of these characters being in these positions, being easier to follow. Well, so I think that then in this season, sort of like their signature shots would be the orbital shot, the orbit, uh, 
and then just some of the shots of them just focused on the gang. Uh, yeah, I think the, gang, the like, um, porch shot with the uh, banister, mm-hmm. or not the... Like in like front the, of their faces. The, yeah, the wood slot right in front of the banister that Hand covers brush. all their mouths is a signature letter Kenny shot. That's and them in their, season one. The kitchen. That shot through the, like, from mm-hmm. the kitchen underneath the cabinets. Mm-hmm. Well, and... He, I, and that's always usually got Wayne in the front. Right. Mm-hmm. Derry and... Yeah, there's very much a balance, like, uh, like you were saying, with, like, character positioning. I don't know about frame positioning, but character positioning, Wayne's always in these same spots in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. He's always in the middle of the produce stand. Um... Or, no, he's more on the left on the produce stand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just like he's on the left on the front porch, Dan's in the middle, Dairy's on the end. Just like produce stand, Wayne, Dan, Dairy. Katie in the middle. Katie in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't tend to move those very much. Mm-hmm. They do change positions around the table, though, but Wayne's usually sits... Eh, that's not true. Dairy's usually by the window. That's where I think of them, but I don't know. Fucking, like uh, Wayne's at the head. I think it's just because Squirrel Dan's fat. He has to, he has to mm-hmm. back there. I guess that. I use... Function of. That could be, uh, just the, <laughs> the nature of the beast here. Another illuminating thing, it's kind of, um, just related to production rather than, like, specific shots. From that interview, though, uh, Billy Buttery talked about they do a lot of block shooting. So, like, shoot everything that's at the produce stand over these two days or two and a half days or whatever. Which speaks to, we are kind of talking about which order these episodes might have been shot in. Mm-hmm. I wonder, though, if, like, I would assume that was the approach off the bat. So it wouldn't even have been shot that same kind of way. Like, we were saying, was Dan unavailable for this one episode? Like, if it was block shooting done even then... Then I don't know if that would have even been. I'm so I'm still Does that very mean they try and they shoot like so for three episodes. They have scenes at the produce stand, so we're gonna knock out these three episode scenes. All of the produce stand, all, all of this like, one fucking really day. Mm-hmm. more than even like the three episodes, the whole season because mm-hmm. we're only doing six at a at a time. So yeah, Modines for yeah. four days. Stand so days. every shot of Modine's was shot in the same fucking day, yes. like within like two days. Yes, and that's from that my understanding that has always been the approach. But I would be interested to I guess know that makes sense from if a, that was from yeah a production standpoint, it's like a time saving. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it also leads to they are apparently notorious for they go through pages like crazy, like they record a lot of pages in a day compared to other. Um, they have so much goddamn dialogue to get through. Right, they have so much. It's, uh, yeah, there's mountains of it. Every page would be, I mean, quite they a lot compared to And you have to get it right. You mm-hmm. can't just, you know, flood it. There's right. so much that goes into that. Yeah, he also mentioned that Kiso definitely expect, expects the actors to have all their lines ready, you know, have all their shit prepped. Uh, which, fuck yeah, I would too. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the job. Right, uh, you're being paid to come show up and talk about ostrich fuckers or crushing sandos, right. so please learn your shit. Still, I, I gotta say, the hockey players are like my most valuable letter Kenyans of the season. Oh, they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Because I think, 
like more than even like how funny they were, or like you know, character arcs, anything like that. I'm just so impressed that they actually memorized this dialogue because they have so much of it. I think even compared in this season compared to anyone. Uh, it reminds me of uh, later when they're starting to like uh, they're about to um, give a presentation. And they're like tip of the tongue, like they're like warming up their mouths or whatever. They're like oh, yeah, tip of the that. tongue. He's like tip of like, the and they do it a few times, and they it's like I, that's a, I bet that's a real thing that they fucking do to like, totally. like yeah, warm up their tongue and get get ready for because they it is just tongue twisters at a breakneck speed, uh-huh. right? It's exercise to do yeah. that, man. It's and hard. to think if they're doing that all in if they got a whole fucking day of those yeah, shots, it's hard like holy fuck. shit. And they're disjointed, so like you don't even get a chance to like follow the narrative. Even you're like, right. ah, what is going on? Even how am I supposed to feel? Yeah, that's well, tough. especially those two. Like their their timing is so crucial. Yeah, they they play off each other. Yes, well. there's a rhythm between them. And that was interesting too about the um, the, the the YouTube fucking uh, interview. Yeah, the Mike on Mush. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was that those two like have known each other and like were roommates? Yeah, like roommates. It sort of makes sense. Like I can imagine them like. This is happening. Yeah, I can imagine those two like off the books. Just rehearsing like on their off time, like all the time, and just getting bringing yeah the like, shit in. Like okay, like what do you guys getting their about? stuff down and then coming in and then being like, hey, actually we've got some like we've added a few yes, things yeah. here that we think uh, might work. Uh-huh. Andrew heard there's an interview with him that I've listened to as well. He is Riley, the one short the dark hair. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm and never Andrew, gonna get that right. I'm never gonna. Guess. No. I'm just gonna guess, and sometimes I'll be right. Yeah. Uh, but I'll drop that in the show notes, too. He talked about how they're drawing from real-life experience. Because they've all met, met these guys, these hockey player mm-hmm. fucking uh, oh, for dudes sure. that are just all about the lifestyle and and uh, working out 24-7 and trying to nail babes and Wheel City Snipes. Yes. Wheel Snipe City. Wheel, yeah. Wheel Snipe Selly. Will Snipe sell? Ah, you motherfucker. Big city snipes. Okay. He's right. You got it. You got it. You got See, that's it. weird. I don't do the quotes. Well, uh... yeah, it's not your show, Phil. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's their show. They have that. Supposedly, they have a limerick, Phil. I'm trying to remember what Glenn does uh, for the when he's making like the t-shirts that are just off. Instead of allegedly, it's like... Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what's... That was funny. <laughs> Damn. That was funny. And, and those think, two guys are phenomenal. And I think that, like, that level of enjoyment comes through. Oh, like, totally. It comes through in the fucking show. Like, it mm. comes through in the interviews that they do. Like, you can tell they're having fun. Totally. And... It's crazy to hear him. I don't know if you, if you guys have seen like the Shorzy preview and shit. I did. I did see that, dude. It was great. It's him, but it's all him with a fucking beard. It's crazy, bro. I'm like, what is like, happening? Shirtless. Yeah, dude. You've never seen him shirtless in this show. <laughs> like, in all the times when he's, like, fighting people. I guess that's not true. Well, sort uh, of, but not... Yeah, because he's not actually... Uh, what about the hot mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, maybe. So is he covered in tattoos? Have you seen? Have you actually seen his body shirtless? Oh, uh, every in the night hot tub, I masturbate, baby. Well, right, but I mean, like, in the hot tub, <laughs> isn't he just, like, in the hot tub, like, up to his, like... I'm trying yeah, to remember. He's, he's got, like, one, he's got the, the one arm tub. out Yeah. So for cigarettes. For a cigarette, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. I think you're right. I don't but, think like, you can ever see it. He's pretty, like, 
Now, Ripped. Oh, no, he's jacked as fuck, dog. And, uh... So you can kind of tell, even. Well, yeah, right yeah. There, right. No, he, he is jacked as fuck. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of crazy, bro. Like, yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, what? So it's just funny to, for them to, like, do all their other stuff and then have this... Have this silly, goofy show really be their passion project, like... Enough to that spin off. Yeah, obviously, mm-hmm. like, the dude's, like, a big, like... He's a pretty built athlete. Mm-hmm. He loves him some hockey. But, like, this is their passion project. Right. And, like, you can tell. Like, this is this is the thing they do, the big budget movies and put up with the bullshit, to then come back here and make the show they want. This is my fun, fun time. Yeah. Uh-huh. I get to do this now. Mm-hmm. For sure. But I think that's... I think you can tell that. Like, yeah. You do get a point, too. Yeah. Like, where that's reasonable. It's uh, like it's always sunny. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's exactly tell, what I was thinking. You can tell that like that's what those dudes enjoy. And they hit a season. Yeah. It's like they don't need to do anything more mm-hmm. now. They're just mm-hmm. coming back to do what they mm-hmm. want, and it's like, oh, these are even funnier now. Right? Like, holy shit! Yeah, those uh, talk about two shows that have two very different philosophies, but somehow yeah. that that is like the common link between them is you can feel uh, that it's just something that all the creative forces involved are very much enjoying. They have a good time. Shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like later seasons of Seinfeld feel like that. Yep. Like there are some good yep. yeah, there are some good ones there. For sure. For sure, for sure. Prime seasons of Simpsons feels yeah. like that. Oh my exactly. God. Like really good television feels like that. Where like it feel like the best episodes of Game of Thrones felt like it that. It should be the most fun job in the world. For like, sure. Like really mm-hmm. shouldn't it? Like you get to sit around and make jokes all mm-hmm. day. Like who wouldn't want to do that? That should be the best fucking job. I mean, it, well, I, it would be a giant bitch if you had uh, exec notes that made no sense or yes. certain censored things. Like yes. it's they still job. He does shout out to that. Like that it's like fuck. We are really lucky that we have people who aren't who are, down our necks. Yeah, who are mm-hmm. like uh, all right, cool. Like what is it that we got to do to facilitate the show coming together? Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. That's Why just would you do anything if, else? Yes. Well, uh, if you are going to sponsor an artist. Yep. Period. Yeah, Why would you what we were saying earlier about them picking stuff from like the internet and being like, "Oh, we're going to like back this thing. Like we we are new media, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we have to get behind this." Mm-hmm. And so right. to to get behind that and then be like, oh, here's how you should change that. And like, now writing everything yeah, else yeah. that you should have done. Or like, mm-hmm. here's how we think you should make the show. Right. Like, that has happened to so many people, though, mm-hmm. for so many years. Like, and it's kind of sad to see a bunch of, like, uh, good comedians even have had that happen to them. Like, Louie's first show, not good. They told him what the fuck to do, and it just wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've all been through the ringer on that. Fucking, uh, Chris Rock's been through the ringer on that shit. Uh, it's hard to, I know, right? Uh, it's hard to do. It's hard to get an executive to agree to something that is your brand. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, then why did you choose me? Because, like, that's what I do. I can't do the other thing. Otherwise, I would have been doing that. Um, but it, it's great to see this new media thing work. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we're going to get behind it, full force and effort, and do whatever you need to do. We're here to do that. Have at it. What's going to happen? Made, they made a good point that that's possible. Like, that this is, that's the way to fucking do it. Leave them alone. Let them do what they want. Well, that's how some of the best movies are made, too. Of like, some of the shittiest superhero movies we've seen lately, I mean, some of the worst movies at all, but like superhero movies specifically, are where they're like, oh, we don't think this is going to happen. And that feel like the producers come in and like, no, nope, not this, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like, oh, it's terrible. And yep. then it comes you out. You don't know yeah. what's good. Yeah. And then the, like, the director, well, with the Justice League movie, like, and the director's, like, real movie comes out, and people are like, oh, this is way better. Like, you guys should have done this. It's like, yeah. Like, so why wouldn't you listen saying. to the person who you paid to make the thing? Why else would you choose them? What Otherwise, artists? just make yeah. your own. Exactly. Like, that's the other option. Because they're not creative people. Right. They're executives. Yes, yes. They're there to make money and just set a looking for line. talent yeah. to exploit. Right. Yes. But they want to control the yes. creatives. Mm-hmm. And so... God bless Chris. Right? Like, you're just like, in that position, well, think the of the advertisers. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Are they going to want to run ads on this means. program? That's you're talking about abortion. All that. Get this someone off. think of the advertisers. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. They suffer. So Johnson hard. & Johnson doesn't like that shit, so God. cut it. It's incredible that that's been for so long, though. The like That's a running narrative mm-hmm. throughout a lot of our TV but the, the strength of a subscriber-based media platform mm-hmm. is that I'm not uh, at the behest of advertisers. I wonder what other ball and shit Crave has on their network. Right? Right? Like, is that 19.2 on Crave, or is that on, like, now? I don't know. If only we question? had a Crave account. If we could only, yes. Now's the time for you to send it to churchorepod at gmail.com. If you have official? a Crave login, that is official. Churchorepod at gmail.com. Send us your Crave login so we can get those further editions. Can we do that? Like, can we even sign up for it in America? Uh, I think we need a VPN. We or cannot. Yeah, we cannot Can sign up for it. Okay. Yeah, if you try to sign up for it on the website, you need a Canadian address. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Your little finger. Right. Like your you billing address. You cannot access this from yeah, your uh, billing your address. Cannot yeah, yeah, yeah. be an American address. Interesting. Fuck that. So we need someone's login. We can access it. We can go to Crave.ca. Have you looked that up already? Yeah. Okay. I was wondering if, like, because it sounds like you're pretty knowledgeable on that shit well, in particular. <laughs> like, I, mean, I just don't know. Like, it sounded like I you had the I can go to Crave.ca. I can download the app. I know all that. So, shit, if i got a login. Yeah, you should be. i got a feeling, right? yeah. I just was like, I wonder if it's like an IP thing. Right. Or like, I don't know. But yeah, if they are going to ping me and see, well, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, come on, Yank. And we're going to wrap it up there. Come back next week for our review of episode one of season two of Fuss at the Ad Call. Maybe a little news on what we've been working on, too. Talk to you guys later.